Hey guys, what's up? How's it going? It's been what, maybe a week? I'm trying to be a little bit more consistent um, and eventually try to share in my podcast. This is basically just me trying to see what works best for myself and what topics and things and how I want it to actually, um, the, the, the pacing and how everything goes with the show. I'm still trying to work out the kinks. So this is like a trial and error, but it's one of those things like you just need to try and see what happens. So as of right now, you are listening to, it's all about growth with Amanda. Um, it's currently Sunday. It's a little cloudy outside and, and usual and, this state of Florida, it's kind of humid and warm, even though it's supposed to be winter. Winter doesn't happen in Florida. I think we've had like two cold days, but other than that, it hasn't been. As far as how everybody's doing, like how's your week been? You know, take stock, like look back on this past week. What what were the highs, what were the lows? Um, What were the mediums? Um, For me, this past week, um, highs, Highs have been me deciding to finally, I finally applied to an editing course um, and I also applied to a, a master's level um, professional writing course just to get my feet wet and decide on whether or not I'm going to pursue a master's in um, English telecommunications. Um, so yeah, like I, I've always enjoyed editing papers. I mean, I've had, I've always liked that red pen thing. Whenever I saw teachers do it, I used to do that for my papers when I got my bachelor's degree. And I've just decided like, I do enjoy that. I enjoy the idea of making words and and conveying feelings in a certain way and, and making sure it sounds good and people understand it. So that's my take on things. Like, I feel like that's something I wanna go forward with. and. Who knows what that will take me to. Um, and perhaps in the end, like somewhere the goal lies writing a book of some, some kind. Um, so yeah, as far as highs, that was a high. Um, what else? As far as highs, no, nah, that's pretty much it. Just, uh, well, highs also playing, you know, Catan with the friends. Um, I'm, I'm friends being introduced to it and people... Um, liking this game and I know it sounds really crazy like oh whatever doesn't mean anything but it's cool to me to see that people who wouldn't otherwise try something like this game and enjoy it so that means a lot to me um my mids um mids have just been you know day by day been going to the gym I went to the gym five days last week which was a good thing um usually on the weekends I try to do Pilates but this past weekend was a little bit um busy my, my mom is not in her house. I'm currently staying in her house. Um, well, my childhood-ish home, sort of not, but is. Um, anyways, the house is about 14 years old. It was brand new when it was built. But as houses go, things happen, things break, things you know fall apart and you gotta repair and blah, blah. That's just how it goes. But um, when I came back um, about four months ago, my mom apparently had some water damage in the house that she had fixed it's fixed but there's still like there were like leakage areas that she didn't paint over um so I decided to it was like a little little I don't know maybe about maybe about 10 inches worth and width of like water damage but it's been annoying me because it's in the kitchen and when you're in the kitchen literally it's you you think of the kitchen as like a square and you got like on the the outside of the square you have the 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 refrigerator the oven and on the other um part of this, the square on the other end there there's the sink and the the the, the uh, trash can and everything and then in the middle there's like a little bit of an island so on the far wall where the refrigerator refrigerator is there's a window and on top of the window there's just this little bit of water damage that's in the corner that you see every time you go in there and it's been bothering me ever since when I was cleaning out the garage I found that she had some white paint and I was like oh sweet the walls are white by the way I'm like oh I could take that while she's gone and recovering from her surgery I'm gonna paint it so I did I painted that little you know um inches whatever but then you look at it and you realize oh no the paint is different and now the whole wall has to be painted. And then next minute I paint the entire 
wall on that side. But then I'm like, oh, there's more like spots over here. So I'm starting to paint any other places. And then you start painting that and then you're like, realize I can't just paint little pieces. I have to paint the entire wall. So I've kind of like pushed myself into a corner where <laughs> there's no return. Um, so I'm like, I, f I have to like paint the entire house, which that's a lot. So yeah, I've bitten off more than I can chew. And then I ended up in my mom's room too as well. Cause she had a little bit of like uh, painting damage or whatever, you know, what happens when you have a house, especially when the walls are white, like on her walls. And I was like, oh, I'll paint over this. And I had to paint two walls in there. So anyways, moral of the story is you, you start something like it might seem like a small little piece, but you still have to do a lot more work. Um, as far as lows go, um, lows for me this week, um, like I said, like I had not anticipated staying in Florida for very long. Like I was supposed to be gone, um, up North by now. Um, but due to circumstances with my mom and grandmother down here, like I felt, you know, I not like not obligated. Like I know because they're my, my family, like I care about them and I want to make sure they're, you know, okay. So of course I'm not going to leave. Um, never on my mind, like, okay, if I'm staying, I have to stay, but I'm also like, you know, I, I want to go to school. I need to do some things, but I can't do things because, you know, responsibility, especially as an only child, there's certain things that, you know, you feel obligated to, to your parent that, you know, only child of a single parent, like you feel like you have to, you know, compensate for things. Um, so in that respect, like with my mom, like since she has a surgery, she's out for about two months. I, you know, I need to, you know, be here for her and try to, you know, pay things as she's out, you know, even though she's a teacher, which side note, which I'll talk about later, teachers here in Florida, especially in this county have not been, have, have not had raises for the past seven years. Um, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, so no raises, no extra, like, um, time off. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I don't know how they, they cannot strike because they're in a union, but man, this is absolutely horrible teachers. It, anyways, I'm getting off a tangent. The whole point of the story is, um, you know, I, my week, you know, with the fact that she's out and she had to do all that. And I'm like, I need to find another job because I still work a temp job and they can, you know, easily let me go anytime they want. Um, and so that's kind of hard. You know, I live in a pretty big city. It's big enough. I think it has about maybe 300,000 people. So it's not tiny. Um, and we live like Palm Bay is Palm Bay, but there's also Melbourne, West Melbourne. And, and cumulatively, I want to say there's probably close to almost 900,000 people. So it's not that small, but it has like small town mentality, like job kind of thing. Like it's very Southern in a sense. Like you have a lot of food places, you have a lot of hospitals, you have a lot of dollar trees that are dollar generals and, and, and supermarkets to go to. But as far as like, you know, other fulfilling positions, other than that, there's a lot of like, um, assembly jobs here as far as companies there's many of them that are here like assembly companies that assemble all sorts of parts so you know as far as that goes that's good but it's one of those places that you know it depends on who you know that you get those type of jobs so a little bit discouraged for me um because it's like man I can't even you know my bachelor's degree in psychology and partial minor in criminology isn't really doing much for me unless I want to you know I can't even be a manager because I, I don't have like, there's a lot of non-experience like that I don't have that is my uh, qualifier for some of these jobs. So it's like, well, you know, I have to go to school, but then I have to take care of things here. So it's like, you know, been, you know, a little bit of a rock and a hard place. Um, so my little lows like that, as far as that goes, like lows and finally, you know, finding out how to manage not being able to do what you want to do and not having the income that you want to have or you need, um, and being reliant on, you know, a family member who right now needs to be like, leads other people to rely on right now. So that's pretty hard. Um, um, but I definitely know that my personality is not person that gives up. So I'm always constantly like redoing my resume, putting things out, like putting it out, like putting myself out in any position, 
that'll take me that pays well enough you know that's another take too especially here in the states the pay is is not the greatest in a lot of positions and i'm realizing like you know they expect people to live off of of as a pay that is absolutely horrendous like some of these jobs i understand that are more geared towards kids but um or teenagers but a lot of the other jobs that are not geared towards teenagers and things that actually require you know to, you to use your your ingenuity your thoughts and your intelligence um either you have a specialization or they expect some experience or they don't pay you well enough so it's just like oh man this is it's hard but I'm not here complaining. I'm just, you know, stating the facts. The fact of the matter, that's what my lows have been. But in my, I'm still not giving up. Still pushing forward. Um, you know, doing this podcast, not just because of whatever. I'm doing it because I want to do it. I'm doing it because I know that I can't just not do anything. Um, and, you know, writing and reading is on my list. Like, I intend to, you know, be more knowledgeable, more... Um, I want to be intelligent and, and, and have conversations with people and hold my own, you know? So yeah, as of right now, that's what's going on with me. Um, day by day, do my best not to complain about the position that I have right now, like the job I'm thankful it is paying bills. It is paying, it's helping me save and you know, those kind of things. So yeah, gotta look at the bright side. I'm thankful for having positions. Um, but yeah, that's my little a little update for past week or so. Um, yeah, so let's get into, and I'm going to, I don't want to say hot topics or topics. I'll just call them. It's the news. I'm just going to call the segment of just newsworthy articles, things that you should know. Um, yeah, let's call that things you should know as far as news goes. So, things you should know, news-wise. So, this past week has been a doozy. This past month has been a doozy. Even though February is the shortest month of the year, and it's also Black History Month, this month has been the the month of 2019. We we would like to reschedule Black History Month for July, um, because this is, or even June, you know, Juneteenth time. It's, you know, around that time. Let's try to do that because this month has been, hmm. So let's start out with certain things um, that have been in the news. If you've been paying attention, you watch Twitter or watch Twitter. You have Twitter or you have Instagram or whatever. It's kind of hard to not hear it. I'm, I'm assuming most and if not every news outlet has been talking about this, but talking about Jesse Smollett, um, quick background of him. He is most famously known for his um, role as Jamal on Empire. His, he, in, in real life, is a man who is gay, um, who is black. Um, and on the show, he plays a man who is gay, who is black, who is also a singer who runs, who is in a family that runs like a recording business. It's like a, you know, nighttime soap opera, but with black people. Um, and it was, you know, for a show being a soap opera style show and not necessarily there for the whole, you know, being well-written kind of thing. It's just an entertainment show that just kind of like, you know, oh, this is great. So it was good for what it was. I only watched the first three seasons. Um, never, I haven't caught up because it's in its fifth season right now. But uh, anyways, um, Jesse, um, in January, I want to say it happened the end of January, perhaps, or maybe the mid of January. I don't remember the date exactly, but long story short, he was in Chicago. Um, he ate at a subway, which was a 20 hour, 24 hour subway. Um, at like two, he walked out, I guess, was walking the street around 2 a.m. He was, um, assaulted by two men. Well, uh, we allegedly two men, um, in masks wearing Make America Great hats, yelling out, you know, the F word and the N word and basically saying, aren't you that guy from the, aren't you that F word from Empire? Um, and then they proceeded to assault him, pour bleach on him and put a noose around his neck. Um, and if you guys are not familiar, nooses have been infamously known or 
I don't know, infamous, but well, yeah, been known to noose equates, of course, hanging, but noose, especially in the States, have been equate hang, hanging of black people. Um, so, you know, he went to the hospital, got treated, put in um, a police report, and during the police report, he also stated, I guess, that he had received a hate letter in the mail that was likened to back in the days where people cut out the letters from magazines, stuck it on paper, um, and I don't remember what was on it, but it was basically saying something sort of racist and homophobic on it. So anyways, cut from that, um, I myself, I spoke about this maybe last week or the week before, um, the story we want you know, at the beginning, you know, I had my apprehension because the story just sounded very textbook, quote unquote, because, you know, textbook and yes, people who are racist, people who are homophobic and bigoted and prejudiced have many ways of how they act upon what they do. Um, and you know, many day, every day, many people deal with these sort of things and they don't report it. So you know what? You can't say that it's not true because it does happen. Um, um, in this case, it's like the boy who cried wolf kind of thing. Like you want to believe him, but there's been so many times where you, this whole story has started out with being truth. And then you're like, wait a minute. Oh, and they flipped it. Oh no, it's this and that. Oh no, it's this. So yeah, that story went out, came out. Police, and if you guys don't know, Chicago PD has been infamously known for um, prosecuting black men um, unfairly. Um, That whole system in Chicago is really corrupt and it's nobody trusts them. And, uh, you know, that's fair enough because they've proven themselves to be untrustworthy. Uh, But I guess in this case, you know, I don't know. We don't know the ins and outs because this case, as I said, is so convoluted that you don't know where up is down, you know, up is up or down or left or right. Um, Anyways, Jesse, it came out last week, maybe week before that apparently or allegedly these two men that attacked um, Jesse were two black Nigerian men um, that were allegedly which is not, apparently, I guess it's not true by now, but allegedly by the Chicago PD, was paid by Jesse to stage the attack. Um, and the two men came forward and just basically said, Jesse, you know, told us to go buy these items. They have been caught on video camera buying um, the masks, the MAGA hats, the rope, everything at the same place to to the, guy, the black guys. Um, and that's... Jesse was the one that, you know, told them that's what they wanted to do. They were supposed to have it recorded by this street camera that was apparently pointed to the street, but pointed to the wrong way. And this again, allegedly, this is what the Chicago PD is saying is what happened. Um, and then, yeah, so they came forward. Jesse denies it. Like, no, nah, I didn't pay them. They um, provide a check of $3,500 saying that Jesse wrote a check to pay for this. And which Jesse denies and said, no, the check was. And then now the Nigerian men also say the check wasn't for that. It was for them to um, train Jesse because I guess apparently they're trainers um, to train Jesse to get in shape for an upcoming video. And again, all of this is a lot of back and forth because, you know, one week, one day they were saying, oh, no, the, the guys are paid by Jesse to do this. And now they're saying, no, he didn't pay them. And then now it is now as of what I am speaking, Jesse has been charged for falsely um, um, putting out a report and which is a felony um, of disorderly conduct, which is false claims felony. And he was wrestled on Thursday under those claims. Um, I don't know if he placed bail yet. I think the bail was pretty high. There were 10,000 perhaps. I'm not sure. I think he did place bail. No, he's out. But anyways, the men, the two guys or two brothers, I believe, are still sticking by the word and saying like, hey, you know, this was staged. And then now it comes out saying that Jesse, yes, he staged. Well, Chicago PD are the ones that are saying this. Jesse staged this because he wanted a um, higher pay because he wasn't getting paid a million dollars per episode like the rest of his co-stars. He's getting paid $60,000, which is, bro, that's still a lot. But anyways, you're not a hot headliner. Doesn't matter. 
He wanted, apparently, this is allegedly the Chicago PD is saying that this is the reason why he staged his attack, because he wanted more pay. And then now comes out that letter I was saying before, there was like powder on it, comes out the letter that, the powder that was on the letter was nothing but like Tylenol, whatever, something crushed up uh, medicine, over-the-counter medicine. And then they're saying, oh no, the act, the letter is actually wasn't posted by Jesse, it was somebody else did it. So... If you're just as confused as I am right now, because I'm just as confused and I'm not understanding and you don't know what to believe, but you also know that the story doesn't make sense on either way. So it's like, okay, what do you believe? As of right now, Jesse has not um, said that this was all staged. He's still sticking to his guns and saying that it wasn't. But the two brothers are still saying, no, he told us to do this and you have us on camera buying this stuff. So as far as the camera thing, I don't know as far as when that was taken. I don't know the dates of when that was taken. And I don't know. There's a lot of holes in the story that don't make sense. And it's just frustrating to hear this every day that this is happening. And more frustrating is that being that Jesse is a considered, he's half black and half white. He's very, he's a light skinned brother, but he's still considered black. But he's a black man who is also gay who is also an actor, who is also an activist. Um, And this whole story has pulled on the trust of millions from celebrities to regular old people like myself. So if the Chicago PD is really trying to do their best to dismantle from there's like a way of dismantling and discrediting people for their, their things that they say, they're doing a good job. If Jesse um, actually did do this on purpose to stage an attack, he messed up royally. And the repercussions, well, whatever's happening even now is what's happening. Because, you know, Trump, of course, had to weigh in, you know, and his people, or people who are radically his people, could end up, you know, following through on things, doing things with that. Who could end up? I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying all of them are. However, Redder, he is the president of the United States. He has, you know, power in his words. So the the backlash of this is, you know, we are all confused, all irritated. We're all angry. We just want the truth and we don't need all this to confuse people. And this also brings light to the fact that the media... I'm not here saying that there's fake news. I'm here to say that there are the the news articles and things might be truth in a sense, but the whole truth is never given. We're only given pieces of what we want to hear. You go to Fox News, you want to hear certain conservative, you know, Republican ideals and morals and values. You're going to get it from there. They're going to give you what you need. You know, CNN and MSNBC, you know, in whatever areas that are more liberal, more democratic, they're going to give you more Democrat leaning. They're going to give you their side of it. So there's so many different sides to this to give out to the masses that people who only get their news from like Twitter or Instagram are only going to get the snippet of what they can, that they are, that is there to be for them, um, which is unfortunate. And that's the time we live in. We, are, we have to sift through all the news to figure out what is true and what's not and really sit down with our own selves and make sure that we are making choices based off of the facts, period. So, yeah, I'll have more to say about this Jesse thing once everything is actually, you know, a little bit more finite or it's more concrete because right now this is, it's a convoluted mess and we, I think now the, I think it does mean that I think there is been, has been lying on Jesse's end. The extent of it, well, I don't know, but I do not truly believe that the story was a hundred percent true. Um, so yeah, um, we'll see how that plays out. So yeah, that's one of the news articles that's been, um, the other one, Coast Guard, this guy, Coast Guard Lieutenant um, Chris Paul Hansen, um, he's 49 years old, white man, who's been serving 
he's been in the military, I believe I read from since the 90s. So he's been, he's pretty well versed in military life. But it just came out, which again, news, media, whatever reason has not been um, putting out a lot of information about this story, which I am appalled. But you could, there's not, that's another story to get into. But the man had it out for um, journalists, Democrats. He had a list of people who he wanted to hit. Not only did he want to hit people, he wanted to kill all people. Um, He is labeled a domestic terrorist. He was um, in possession of 15 different firearms, a thousand, um, I guess, mags of ammunition. Um, He was on his work computer, found that he actually looked up ways to kill people, um, journalists and Democrats to hit. And when I say journalists and Democrats, the ones that that come, some of the ones that come off the list was a... um, Elizabeth um, Warren, Kamala Harris, um, there's Van Jones, Joe Scarborough. These are all people who, like the two women that I first named are also in the, for the presidential race and they are from the Democratic Party. So anyways, this man has had extremist views for some time, um, but he had it out. He wanted to go out and kill people. He wants to kill all people, according to him. He wanted, even in the midst of one of the things he had on there is that he wanted to actually start a plague. He wanted to have, he wanted to kill everybody. Now, stories like these make me wonder. How does one get to that point? To where you hate all people. And when he says he wants to kill all people, that means you want everybody. Any of the people that you seem to think is on your side, you want them dead. How do you get to that point? You want them dead, but you don't. What sense does that make? Um, he is also, he's not only just extremist, he's also very much, he was, there were some statements as far as his ideals was very like a racist ideal and um you know his process it was you know racist in its foundation um but yeah there's hasn't been much um coverage of this man which I think methodically I think that's what's happening like the news wise they just put what they think is best and there hasn't been much on him and I'm not going to say much more on that because as of right now, that's as much as I think that you should know. Um, if you want to look at more, try to look it up, read about it. But the man had, he is an extremist. Yes, I know he is an outlier. However, you know, there might be more people out there just like him. You know, it's crazy that people are, you want to kill people that badly. They haven't done anything to you. You just want them gone. How do you get to that point? Um, let me quickly go to the last one. Um, R. Kelly. He is in prison, or not in prison, he's been, he's in jail, 10 counts of child, uh, um, I think child, I don't remember what the 10 counts were, but he's in jail, cannot post bail, his bail is at $1 million, he can't even post $100,000 to get him out, himself out, so he's currently in jail and ain't getting out, thank the Lord. Again, if y'all don't know about him, I spoke about him before. R. Kelly has been known to prey on young girls since the 90s. That's correct, since the 90s. He married Aaliyah when she was a ripe age of 15, illegally. He has had um, sex with a minor, which was caught on tape, which is one of the things, I'm sorry, backtracking, one of the reasons why he's in jail now, because new new tapes have surfaced with him having sex with a 14-year-old. Um... He has not only just done that, to, he has abused, um, mentally, physically abused many women over the course of his tenure as a, an R&B artist and has not been charged for anything until now. Thank God. And again, I said before, cancel him. Do not listen to his music. Do not infor- Don't give him money by listening to his music. Don't give that rhetoric of, oh, well, it's just, it's R. Kelly and blah, blah, blah. No, you know, if your moral and values don't, morals and values say that I can disconnect from the artist from the artistry. Well, yeah, in R. Kelly's case, 
you know, the one or two songs that everybody loves that I feel like, okay, yeah, people want to keep, I'll understand that. However, his discography, if you listen to the words that are on his music, he was hiding in plain sight, point blank. And I was not, I never listened to any of the songs from him except those two, I Believe I Can Fly and what was the, I don't remember the other one, um, Ignition. But even Ignition had, it's, you can listen to those lyrics and you're just kind of like, oh. But listen to the lyrics, read them, not even listen, read their lyrics. See that this man has always been this way. And yes, he was a victim when he was younger, but that doesn't give you, that doesn't give you reason to victimize others. Um, I'll inform you guys what happens with that as we go on. Anyways, um, I have a topic we'll talk about later on as far as since it's still Black History Month, you know, still got to learn some things. So we'll talk about that later, but let's get into this week's topic. Sorry, that was a long um, message on the news. So this week, I mean, I'm always thinking about what to talk about. There's always, there's always something to talk about. And I have a lot of things I want to talk about. And hopefully later on when I have my friends, we'll have more of a banter. So that'll be fun. Um, but this week, I had a couple things. But one I'll save for next week. This week kind of got me thinking. Because there's something, an article that I'd read. Um, technology and distractions is something that I want to have a little bit of a talk about. So as of right now, I'm recording on my iPhone through an app that helps me upload for podcasts. And like everybody else, people who are listening to podcasts, probably listening from their phone or from their iPhone or iPad or their whatever, pretty much everybody in this world has some sort of device. There are a rare few people who or extremely poor, do not have phone. Even then, still people have phones. Phones have become synonymous with like a, a, a license in a sense. You have, you have to have them. You don't have one and people are kind of like, do you drive? You must not drive because if you don't drive, you don't have, if you, you're driving, you have a license. But um, yeah, phone distractions. So I don't remember, I think it's like earlier this year or like end of last year, Apple had an update on the phone where you could um, monitor your daily usage of your phones, like apps and how often you, you, you stay on your phone throughout the day. And it's cool. At the same time, it sucks because then you see how much you use your phone. So I'll be, I'll be openly honest. Um, I, on my phone, I think I have on the average of using my phone, um, four to five hours a day, um, the usage, um, the usage, meaning like I do listen to a lot of podcasts on my phone. So that takes up a lot of the time, but I do, I do scroll a lot through Instagram and I scroll a lot through Twitter. I don't have Facebook, but Twitter and Instagram have still been my go-to and on an honest tip, Instagram you know, I don't have many friends that I have on like friends in real life and friends that I have that I keep in touch with. Like there's only like a handful of them that are on there that I actually, you know, respond to their their videos or actually say something or they actually put things out that I see that I can respond to. Like the 200 people that I have on there, maybe about a third of them are actual people. The rest, well, they're all people, but actual people that I know and then the other ones are just like celebrities or podcast people that I follow because, you know, they're just cool and I want to support as best as I can. But I don't necessarily have a following. I don't have a following, which is fine. Like, I'm not I'm not anybody to be followed. Um, but I do know that, you know, you get into the vortex of Instagram, you know, just like the YouTube vortex. Instagram has a vortex. You just start seeing videos and then you're like, oh, I want to see this video. And you just keep scrolling and scrolling and just liking and scrolling. And, you know, and and I tell you, like, when I kind of noticed that it was like an issue when I did have Facebook, um, which is funny, my screen time report just showed up. It's down 14%. You were only on your phone, your phone for only four hours last week. So that's lower than what it has been, which is good. I'm slowly getting there. Progress is progress. But... <laughs> Anyways, um, when I had Facebook on my phone and when I would interchange between Instagram and Facebook, I noticed that when I would go on Facebook, you know how on Instagram you double tap to like a photo. 
So when I'm on Facebook, I would try to double tap when I like a photo, but it's not that. You have to actually press it and then press the like or one of the emojis of what you like about the, the, the picture or video or whatnot. And I'm just like, oh, that's a problem because now I'm just, I want it to be fast. I want that microwave culture of getting information from everybody and I just want to like it. That's it. And then you end up wanting to like that transfers into other things, other um, apps like Twitter. I did the same thing. So that's a problem. That's one thing. You know, for Instagram, that's the thing. Like, you know, I I see all these people and I see all my friends and friends that I won't be able to see for how long. You know, I have friends in Australia, people in South Korea, people, you know, all over, which with whom I won't actually see in person. We just get to see via video, which I like and I don't like at the same time because it's, you know, it's a happy sad. Like, I'm, I wish I were there with them. And then I'm happy that they're experiencing things. Um, but I also know that the percentage of things that we put on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is just the tip, tippy top of what actually is in real life. We post things that we feel like people will like, or we post things just so that people can see what we're doing. You know, it's not necessarily, you know, um, posting things for the sake of just posting. Like when I post, I post with the idea of like, cool, I want people to see something. Like I posted the other day about Taco Bell having breakfast. Who does that? Like I didn't know Taco Bell did breakfast, which to me tells me that Taco Bell might be um, on the outs because if you're serving breakfast then you must be desperate to make more money. But anyways, um, but yeah, you know, post little things here and there that I'm doing in daily life, but my daily life really doesn't consist of anything of importance. I wake up, go to the gym, go to work, come home, cook, watch some TV, like a couple of television shows, apply for jobs read and write basically it my days are not anything of interest to anybody but we live in this society of you you're almost measured by your ability to flaunt on instagram or facebook like you're almost measured by that and it's rare that you find people who are not like that and you have people who don't really care but in a sense you sort of do but anyways i'm distracted. I look at that. Not by my phone, by my thoughts. Anyways, this article I was reading was how this man was, um, went on a 30 day detox basically of his phone because he realized something that he can't enjoy things without being distracted by his phone at some point. Example, do you find yourself nowadays, are you able to actually sit down and watch a TV show without picking up your phone while you're watching a TV show? Are you able to pick up, are you able to read a book without picking up your phone? Are you able to um, be in the bathroom without having your phone? Are you able to cook food without having your phone um, in your hand of some sort? And I find that when he said that, I'm like, you know what? I kind of am like that. Like we, you know, you use the TV shows and TV is supposed to be a form of entertainment that keeps you locked in during that 30 minutes to an hour or however long you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be engaged. You're supposed to pay attention and not have to be distracted by your distraction is the show, the TV, all that. But yet nowadays we don't, the distraction is everything. We, we, the TV show has its moments that are like boring, I guess, quote unquote, where you don't have to pay attention. Then you pick up your phone and you scroll through Instagram and you turn it off because you see something interesting on the, the TV and then you're like, oh, okay, it's boring. Let me go back. So that's basically what happens. And now, not only that, we get to the point that when we're friends and family, you know, the people who are around you, you don't know what to say. You don't have conversations because everybody has their phones out and you're scrolling because the people that are in front of you are not as important or not as cool as the people who are talking to you via you know, WhatsApp or Instagram or Facebook. We are distracted constantly. Think about that. Uh, just take a moment to say, like, has there been a moment any time of the day that you have not gone and reached for your phone just because it's an easy distraction? Yeah, it's an addiction. We have a fear of missing out. We fear that if we don't keep refreshing or we don't look on the pages that we're going to miss out on information that otherwise 
if we didn't look every five minutes on our pages that we would never find out. Um, which we are now, it's come to that point to where you can't necessarily, you could live without having a Facebook or an Instagram or a Twitter. You could. And then you also would live, miss out on some information. <laughs> so it's like, well, okay. How do, you, how do you navigate through that? I myself personally, after reading this article, um, um, after reading this article, I realized that I am... My I am addicted in a sense to the phone and I have to admit that you have to admit when there's a problem. I'm addicted because I can't seem to, you know, I go around and walk around like I have to have my phone just to look through. If I sit down and I don't have anything else to do, I just pick up my phone and start scrolling. And then you end up getting you're scrolling through these posts just because and it just it, it gives you that short burst of um, that hit. That you get for just that moment, but it doesn't last. You know, you, it doesn't last, and you you put it down, and you're like, oh, I need another hit. You know, that's not enough. Like I need more. I need it. Like, and then you lose sight of what's around you. You you lose sight of what is in front of you because you're so distracted by your phone. Um, you always need a consistent stream of news, either it being the actual news that happening and that. Uh, affects everybody or the news that's happening within your own nuclear circle of people and friends we always have to have it and I also find uh, the phone and I'm not blaming the phone like the device itself is not the problem it's you know it's us as people are choosing to make choices that make the device a problem for us behaviors that we do because you know, real life and whatever reason isn't enough for us. So we have to find other avenues, which the phone plays. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know that myself, like I, as a person, as sorry, personally speaking, I like connections. I like to be connected with people. And if I don't feel a connection with you, and this is on the real tip, if I don't feel connected to you in any way, you don't really mean much to me. And I don't mean that to be harsh. Like you still, I still care. Like I'm always, if there are people who, um, you know, need help and things like that. I'm not one of those like, ah, whatever. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I, uh, what I'm saying is like, we, we won't have conversations. We don't have that. We won't have dialogue. We will never have that sort of relationship as far as like friendships and having conversations. So I don't feel like taking the time out to, force myself to have conversations with somebody I know I'm not going to be connected with is fruitless and pointless. I say that also saying like if there have been, you know, there's situations with people that I, I, I'm with that I feel that way with and there are those little moments of time where you have conversations and, you know, you have a little bit here and there. I'm never going to be the one that's be rude and just walk away. That's not my, not my DNA. Like I'll take things as they are in those moments but again, again, I'm not there to, um, if I don't feel like there's going to be any further forward momentum in our friendship or relationship, then I'm not going to pursue it. And I don't need you in my life, you know, as just the same, you don't need me in yours. So we come and it comes to the fact of the matter of like the Facebook and the Instagram, Instagram, we have come to the point that we value the virtual people more than we value the physical people. And I'm going to pause. Anyways, as I was saying. Um, right, so your digital friends mean more than your actual physical friends. And if you think about it, think about it. Take a time and think, think of a situation where you're with your friends. You guys have planned a day. You guys are like, cool, everybody come over. We're going to have a party night we're gonna play games we're gonna watch a movie and just take a minute and look around when you have your people over and see how often everybody picks up their phones or scrolling through Facebook or Instagram when all the people that I guess that you deem as important to meet with in real life they're presently there with you how much do you guys engage with each other you know or is it because we have our phones and technology Nowadays, since we engage with each other constantly via the internet or constantly via text message and whatnot, 
throughout the day that when you meet each other to hang out with each other, all that you needed to say to each other face to face has been said via texting. And so when you get together, it's more like you just want to have the company and not necessarily connection. That makes sense. Like we, we are all connected to each other, but we're all disconnected. <laughs> and I, I find it to be quite odd. And again, for me personally, um, you know, I find that it makes me feel um, not valued, undervalued, in a sense, when I'm with people that I say, hey, um, let's go out for a coffee or let's go and hang for a little bit. And their desire to pick up their phone or they pick up their phone in the midst of having conversations with me makes me feel as if I'm not important or the fact that you took the time out to hang out with me and talk and you said, you know, let's hang out, let's chat, that the phone and the people on it mean more to you than the actual just sitting back and spending at least 15 to 20 minutes of time just to disconnect. And again, that's me personally speaking. Like, I don't, I mean, everybody else probably may not have a problem with it, but I do. Like I, you know, if you have you make plans to be with somebody you make plans to be with the person not you yourself not you and your phone and everybody else all your other friends who are not their person that physically to be there it's you made the plans to hang with people be there present and I know that people are so fearful nowadays too of like having conversations because we don't know how to talk to each other anymore so how do you you know, what do you say? You don't say anything. So you just pick up your phone and you show memes and you show video. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. Cause I do that too. Cause there's a lot of things you just want people to laugh. But then I'm like, well, what about having real conversations and just talking about things that, you know, are going on in people's lives and the lives of the people in the world? Um, yeah, uh, we've lost that. And I'm, I'm no different than anybody else. Cause everybody else has said the same thing. I'm no different. I understand that. But I think what I'm trying to say is that I know that I need to take a detox. I'm addicted to my Instagram. I'm addi- and I shouldn't say I'm addicted to my phone. I, phone. I'm addicted to the, the apps on the phone. Um, primarily Instagram. Um, Twitter, I, I kind of use as sort of like a news outlet and just opportunities to see what's going on with people in the world in a sense. Because I don't really necessarily have actual friends that I follow on Twitter. It's people that I, people that are out there that I know of, and I follow them because of I don't know because of podcasts or, or, you know, politics or things like that. I follow them because of those reasons. But other than that, you know, I don't have friends on Twitter, but I have friends on tw- on Instagram. So yeah, it's and then it's kind of like well, if you get rid of it, what if people try to get a hold of you and they can't get a hold of you any other well other other way? I'm like well. My closest of friends that I feel, not closest, the people who are closer to me all have my, my phone, actual phone number or ability to talk to me through my phone, actual phone number, even the people who are overseas. So the idea that they don't have the opportunity to do that is actually a lie because you do. It's there. Um, and that's something I tell myself, like, how else are they going to get to, how else are they going to know what's going on with me? Well, they can just text or call. It's not that hard. Um, yeah, I, I, the article as well, the man, you know, he had to go on a detox. So the essential idea of detoxing doesn't mean you just go cold turkey because unless you are one of those people that it just snaps and going cold turkey works for you, that doesn't necessarily work for everybody. And the idea of like not using your phone for other than just phone calls is actually never going to happen because you know, the phone is a small computer and it's a small computer, which with we take every day, which what we take every day. We need it. You need it. We're at that point where you have to have it. Um, but you don't have to have those push notifications. You can turn those off. You don't have to have Facebook or Instagram on your phone. You can put that on your laptop or your iPad. And so when you want to use those kind of things, you have to take the time out to actually log in and do those, the work. Um, there are other ways, other means to keep in touch with people and the things that are going on in this world. And also, you know, and 
speaking of technology, algorithms, everybody knows that algorithms rule the internet. The things that you look up via Google, um, things that you look on Instagram, things that you look on Facebook, things that you just look up on, you're talking about on your phone will show up on your phone. Instagram ads are tailored to you based off of whether or not you're looking at things, you know, for your home or you're buying things. Instagram is made to cater to that because the computer is saying, oh, this person is looking for this. So let me just keep giving them ads and things like that towards that. Or this person is talking about, you know, it's so funny because I don't really talk much about relationships, but perhaps somewhere in text messaging, like my friends might talk about relationships. Instagram always sends me ads for all those dating apps, dating sites. Like I didn't ask for this. Like I haven't even, I'm like, I'm not even looking up those things, but somewhere in the midst of conversations, probably on my, my feed has been about relationships. And then me looking up, um, schooling, you know, psychology, I might've looked up a job for a person with bachelor's degree in psychology. And what happens? Instagram, my psychology degree is online. Get your business degree online. All these things show up. It's like, bro, I didn't even, I haven't even looked. Why are you giving me this? So, and then, you know, YouTube, um, on my iPad will give me, um, like there was a petition for impeaching Trump that showed up on there. I'm like, I've never looked up anything for impeaching Trump. I don't like him, but never ever looked that up. Cause I never think that I never thought that I actually go through, but all these things are all catered. Like, you know, I go on the, the sites that are on the TV or smart television. My mom uses YouTube and she watches a lot of RV things because she wants an RV. So RV things show up on that. So, it, you know, it all is catered to you. It ideally, it was supposed to just be a way to help boost people's sales and get things out there for people to see as far as like, Oh, you're interested in this. Let me show you this. It wasn't necessarily the, the, bad part about it is that it only gives you those things that are geared towards you. So if you were especially news wise, if you are a staunch conservative Republican, you're going to get everything that's going to make you feel even better about your, your party. And if you're a staunch Democrat, you're going to get everything that's for your party. If you're a liberal, you're going to get everything for your party. There's no healthy, um, factual mixture for anybody. So if you, everything is tailored to you to make you see that this is how the world is. And if it's not like that, then there's something wrong. And that inherently is so terrible because you got people who are so misinformed that they're sticking to their misinformation because they got information that is quote unquote from the real sources, but not the full information. And that's a problem. It's a problem. It's a huge problem. And if anything, you know, any misstep from anybody is put on the internet and, you know, albeit a lot of things that people do that are wrong and they're being put on, they're put on blast. Like, Hey, I'm fine with that. But the little minute, ridiculous things that are people getting attacked for is absolutely incredibly dangerous, wrong. And it's going to just keep going. You know, I remember reading about or hearing podcasts listening to talking about the dark web and there's dark web and even the normal web where there's just been people who've been harassed into doing things um, because of the blackmailing and ability to give out their information to people that scared people. And it is scary. It's scary to know that your information, you can't, you know, as far as like your information being out there, there's certain things you just don't have, you have no say in. It is what it is. That is the world we live in. Um, it may be the world we live in, but how we navigate it and go through it is dependent upon yourself. Um, so yeah, like take a moment, just take a moment and take stock. Like think about your daily life. Can you sit down and watch a TV show that you say that you love so much without picking up your phone? Can you sit down and, and do one, um, thing at a time? One focus on one area at a time. Can you? truthfully can you and be honest with yourself and there's nothing wrong with admitting that there's something that just is a little off there's nothing wrong with admitting that you need to just back off and see the world differently you know or just think about those days when you didn't have the phone 
And I'm I'm 33, so you know I grew up in the area era of never having self. I I didn't grow up with a cell phone in my hand or iPad in my hand. I grew up with the landline and the old school rotary phones. I grew up on that. So the idea, like I've gone through all those things in transition from VHS to DVD to DVD to HD to US from floppy disks to USB to cell phone from basic cell phones from to the iPhone, which is a computer. You know, we've gone through so much and my short three decades of life is absolutely ridiculous. Technology is moving at the speed of light and we have to be able to adapt to it on a daily and weekly, monthly basis. So, and you know, who knows soon enough, you know, your phone will be in your eye and everything you need will be right in front of you all the time. Um, anyways, take stock, like see where you land, you land, find a healthy medium, find a healthy balance. Your phone and everything in it is not as important as things that are happening in, in, the, in your world. You're not always able to find, you need to find other things that are there to, um, give you a healthy distraction you know, um, I hope it was a little bit of food for thought. Um, uh, and I, this is not like a conversation that I know people have not discussed before. So I'm not like, Oh, I'm talking about something new. No, just felt like talking about it. Like I just, something that I realized for myself that I have to work on because, uh, I feel like it's a problem. So anyways, let's move on to the last part of the podcast. So there was an idea that somebody posted that I just read. What if there were, and it might be, I don't know, there might be something like that in New York, besides like a Barnes and Nobles and, you know, those kind of bookstores. But what if there's a, you know, a 24 hour, 24 hour libraries, public libraries. And I'll be, yes, I understand that with that idea, like you have to come up with a lot of safety measures. There are a lot of things that go and play as far as infrastructure wise and how to get that to be a safe place that, People don't just come in and cause problems. You know, there's a lot of things that go into play. But on the surface level, the idea of having a 24-hour library, public space would be amazing. Just think, I I think, like, what if, you know, you want to hang out with people and you want to have conversations and just look up things and just have opportunity to study stuff any time of the day would be amazing. And I know there probably is a 24-hour library, but... As far as like every city having that, you know, that's another thing. Probably New York City probably has it. Probably places up north have it. But as far as I know, I've never experienced a 24-hour public library. Um, But yeah, imagine just people not going out to drink and doing all those things and people going out to the library to, you know, if they have to study for things or whatever reason they need it for, like it's there and it's a safe haven um, would be It'd be, in theory, would be amazing. Um, But of course, we all know that some things like that are probably not going to happen just because of the logistics side of it and how running that would be just, it could be pretty difficult, I'm assuming. In my mind, I would think so. Not impossible, but there would be a lot of things that would have to be discussed. But that that would be, that to me would be cool. Like, I would do that middle like 12 a.m and i am like i need some place to go the only place to go is walmart and some walgreens and i think that's it oh and like denny's or waffle house (laughs) but other than that you don't have many 24-hour options unless you want to go to a bar or a club and that's just no um and yeah, so anyways, I wanted to talk lastly about, so it's still Black History Month. We're not yet finished. Uh, so I want to discuss something about Black History on the the subject of sundown towns. Um, sundown towns, if you're not familiar with this, or were, were and probably still are essentially towns that were all white that would let people of color in the towns but only during the day. And once the sun goes down, those people who are minorities had to be out of the town. Because if you were caught in the town after dark, you most likely would end up, you could most likely end up dead. 
um, forced out, not able to stay, no, having no place to sleep because of your, the skin, your skin color. And these are actually legit towns. And a lot of those towns probably still exist now. Um, I, no, they don't probably, they do exist now because a lot of the cities that are pro- only white, most likely had their roots in their strong roots in being a sundown town. They just haven't overcome them. Certain areas, I believe like in California, certain cities used to be that way, but over time gradually changed to where minorities have taken over those areas. Um, but there are a lot of places that, you know, people think the States are just this amazing place. Like every place, every country has its issues. Um, and if you're not familiar, like there's a lot of States which are called flyover States that are still rife with segregation. Mississippi being one of them, um, parts of Missouri, Alabama, um, North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, all those city, all those states in between have still, even Tennessee, have still have a lot of um, things in play that segregation is still alive and well. And I can tell you that for truth. I remember we drove through Montgomery, Alabama. I think this is probably in the upwards of maybe, shoot, 14 years ago we were driving through because we were driving to Oklahoma which is another place um but Montgomery you as soon as you drive through you could just feel it in the air you felt like you didn't want to stop there you felt like you can be in that place you didn't feel welcomed and if you took the time out to look on the streets as you're driving by look on both sides of the streets there's a side you could tell that it's predominantly black and there's a side that's predominantly white and it's noticeable you saw that there was just the demarcation line was the road Um, and you felt it like we we drove it was you know a couple of black people white people Hispanic or Latinx excuse me Filipino um, and Korean just a whole mixture of us but we all felt it. We all had a caravan of cars and we were just having walkie talkies in between us. And we just knew that that place was not anything you wanted to be in. And man, I was shocked to see that firsthand that it actually still happens. And then years later, you know, I'm reading up on, you know, certain practices are still a thing. Like kids in high schools, they're still very segregated, which is not a, we're not that not aware, but in that a sense, there's a st- the schools are legal, like they're segregated. There, there's schools that still uh, practice separate proms, where black and white have their separate proms. Blacks have their own proms, whites have their own proms. And the school, you know, segregation is illegal, but they still keep practices in play. Like this is nuts. This is 2019, and these things still happen. So, yeah, the states is a melting pot. However, sometimes some parts of the states isn't as melty as others. Some parts are that butter that you're melting on the stove, that, that part of the butter that doesn't completely melt. There are certain areas that are just like that. They just, it just never happens. And maybe, you know, in the future, you know, as far as like white people being the majority in this country, I think by 2050, 2050, 2050, wow, that was really weird. Um, whites will not be a majority, which is great. <laughs> like, cool. That's the way it's supposed to be. Um, but there's still areas that white people still take over. They're in areas of power, politics, all of that. Um, so anyways, I've said all this. Sundown Towns was a legal, not, I guess, in a sense, legal form of segregation. Um, that was during the time of Jim Crow laws, which, again, Jim Crow laws are racial, legal racial segregation that was separate but equal um kind of thing um and green book there was a book there was a movie that was just recently put out with mahershala ali and Viggo mortensen which is up for an oscar i believe which i guess is a side eye i didn't see the movie but i have heard about it the green book again is a book for people of color back in the day that if you wanted to safely travel through the states it gave you a route to which to take and um, to or not only just a route but gives you a list of places to eat to sleep to stay in that were 
happy to bring you in no matter what color you were. Yeah, that's what it was. That's it still actually it kind of exists now. And I say that too because my grandfather who came down to Oklahoma with me to drive me back to um Florida we drove together in my car um to get back there and he was the one that was navigating and I pretty sure like he we had a conversation like you know we're driving this way we're stopping here and I kind of gathered that he knew how to get there yes I know he's had years and years of practice but I'm feeling like he used that same kind of idea because he grew up in that time so him traveling through this place like he wanted to make sure we were safe and that reading and finding out about the green book made me understand that wow there's a lot that I had no idea about that this is a thing and it I said that too because I also thought about that as well. It's like I'm like, well, if I were to drive some places, how would I know which places are safe and which are not? Think about that. That's why the Green Book was made. Um, I'm not here to make it sound. I'm not trying to end this on a sad note. No, it's part of our history. That's what the history of the United States does not just involve a bunch of white people. It doesn't. Point blank. Um, and that is a sad part of our history is that we don't like to and we don't like to include history of minorities, period. Minorities are the ones that carry this country. Mostly black, Indians, and everybody else. So anyways, take the time out, read up on the Green Book. Don't watch the movie. The movie was not portrayed correctly. The man is whose family member that the the guy that is the the main character, the black main character. Um, his family has come out and said the, the movie does not give it credit to what it's that story and it's completely incorrect. So don't see that. Don't don't encourage it. I'm sorry that Mahershala had to be a part of that crosshairs because, you know, maybe he really wanted a good movie to be a part of. But the story is just absolutely incorrect. And we just need to not to have all these movies that include a bunch of black people that are set in period pieces that keep on making us have the white knight and sad story of being black. Yes, we all know that it exists and we all know that history has not been spoken of too much, but at the same time, we also need to show that minorities are just people like everybody else. We are all people. We just have different ways of saying our stories. So hopefully nowadays, movies are going to continue on the path of not having to give the sad sob, sob story of black people in the States but give stories of black people just as people point blank anyways food for thought i've said a lot today um thanks for listening gonna have more more people talking to me having a little bit more banter it'd be fun to have more other other people talking back and forth it's always nice to have a banter and laughing and just going at it instead of just having one person talking um anyways guys uh hopefully we'll see what happens with this like i don't I don't have too much of a trajectory going with this, but hopefully some way, somehow that I'll find my niche and this will grow and become something bigger and better than what I actually think it might be. Um, but anyways, guys, have a great week. Talk to you later. Um, learn something new. Try something new. Grow a little bit each and every day. Bye.